Welcome to the Inside Digital Transformation Podcast. Inside Digital Transformation explores how organizations of every size and shape are using technology today to survive and thrive in the face of relentless change. If you are a business or technology leader charged with making the most of digital transformation in your organization, then this podcast is for you. And now here's your host, Alan Bernard, a technology journalist, editor, and copywriter who has been covering the intersection of business and technology for over two decades. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I'm speaking with Forrester analyst Carlos Casanova about AI ops, what it is, who's using it, and how it's being deployed to fix IT problems faster. Carlos, along with Forrester analyst Glenn O'Donnell, Audrey Lynch, and Diane Lynch is the co-author of the three stages of preparation for AI ops. The report lays out the foundational elements IT and business leaders need to understand in order to introduce AI ops into their organizations. Hi, Carlos. Thanks for being here. Hey, Alan, how are you? Obviously, today we're talking about AI ops, uh, and probably the best thing to do right out of the gate is to define what that is. So why don't you take a stab at that, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, I mean, as far as the the principle of it is is definitely there. It's something that we've had for a while. Um, Frankly, when you think of its ultimate objectives, right, to to enhance uh, decisions, to make decisions better, more insights and that sort of thing. You know, some of that you know, probably goes all the way back to even my old days in CMDB, right? It's mm-hmm. pulling all this right. data together, get rid of, getting rid of some of the noise and really providing like, what does this mean to my business partner? What does this mean to that business service that's being delivered? We tend to, in technology, obviously, hey, we're going to improve the server, we're going to improve the network with maybe not really understanding that well what it means to our business partners trying to make sales or close a deal and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So, so it's about those insights where the AI piece comes into it is getting through some of that noise, which we've always struggled uh, from just volumes and data, you know, scale and whatnot that we've tried to do our best with pivot tables and spreadsheets and everything right, else. Right. But the AI really takes that and says, Hey, I can go through, far more, uh, you know, larger volumes of data. I can slice this better. And now I can, as you said, I can provide that human that needs to make a decision, a much better informed uh, background and suggestions on what should be done and what has been done. And maybe the odds of something being more successful than another. So it, it provides all that. And the, the last part of that, um, that uh, the definition for AI ops that I came up with was the enriched actionable information. Mm-hmm. That That's right. where the AI really adds that value to say, hey, you know what, we've seen this and 97% of the time, this is what the organization has done. This is how it impacts our business services. And even in some cases, a little bit more nuanced where we have things on the business side, you know, car abandonment and other types of metrics mm-hmm. that our business right. folks um you know, watch. But how about if we were able to provide them the in their sales funnel on their website, better insights to where things slow down and when customers slow down through the sales funnel way before they get to the cart to understand maybe it's just a bad web design. Maybe the page is slowing people down. And when you take the session replay capabilities, you see that folks are having a hard time hitting the next button or how to progress to the next stage of that funnel. And that's just the usability. That's the context mm-hmm. that we, as a human, if I was looking at that metric, would be really difficult to, to determine. But how does AI ops to me is aimed at IT operations, not 
website design and things like that. So if the website from an IT point of view is functioning fine, mm -hmm. right? All right. the lights are green, then how yep. does AI ops help with that issue? So when you think of the operations, what is the point of the AI operations or of IT operations? It's not for IT. It's really for the business. Right. Support it's ultimately the for the business, right. supporting the business. So when we take that and we say, we still need to run our, you know, our operations more intelligently, more efficiently, more effectively. But if we take some of those analytics from operations, feed those back to development, feed those back to service design, mm -hmm. they can infer, they can learn from just the operational metrics, what they may need to do on the next version of um, of the website, maybe how the 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 funnels are working, and there's some there's some tools that target directly those mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. on the business side, absolutely. But the operational pieces we have we we have the availability and access to certain analytics in our operational systems that if we were to provide that as a retrospective to our partners upstream, mm -hmm. they could, in theory, also build it out a little bit more efficiently, more effectively, more resilient, really, you know, for uh, for the operations. So how does AI ops help in that process? Because I can think of probably, I've never done ops, but there's probably 10 ways yeah. to get that same information into the hands yep. of, you know, developers and designers. So. Yeah, and, and that's, yeah, AI, AI ops really kind of pulls all of that together. So if we know what we're looking for, you know, and the uh, say a business owner comes down and says, "Hey, we're having some slowdown here." So it's a targeted effort. It's going in there. It's like, let's go look at that specifically. Okay. Where AI ops is because it's looking at the larger ecosystem, mm -hmm. and it can it can automatically filter out some anomalies and say, "Hey, we're seeing some slowdowns here that we don't know what they are. We haven't seen those before. Let's provide those back to the folks that might understand what that means to us." Okay. Versus, I know I'm having a slowdown. I know we're losing customer potential or clients sure. potentially. Let's go, hey, we need to look at this and bring the IT team in, bring the business folks in to, to go deliberately look at that versus surfacing stuff that we're not even, frankly, aware might be an issue. Right. Because, you know, the way I, in the research I've done for, for the call, uh, it's been presented as like a mean time to repair issue mm -hmm. right it's a it's yeah. a fix it issue uh so you yep. deploy ai ops in order to keep you know it operations running you know streamline operations make them run more efficiently uh you know improve mean time to repair and all of the the facets of that right but what yep. you're saying is you could you could use this you could up level this almost right yeah. into a business tool my my perspective having spent you know uh, decades now on trying to connect the it activities back to why do we mm -hmm. care Right. Yeah. That's and yeah. that's you know yeah. that's really ultimately yeah. where the problem is. Sure. And we can improve our IT stuff as much as we possibly want, but if does if it doesn't somehow translate into some business gain, mm -hmm. then we're really just wasting time and money. You know, uh, yeah. One of the examples I use all the time is is open enrollment. You know, so in the North America, we we know come mm -hmm. October November, everybody's got to go through it. You know. 100 million people going through some kind of open enrollment mm -hmm. and you get a two week window. That's what it is. Right. So I was, I worked for an organization for a while that, you know, had, I think 80 out of the fortune 100 companies. So you're talking tens of millions of people during those two week periods. If there is even a blip of that system during that window, all heads you know, will right. roll, right? It's just awful. And it's hard enough yeah. to use as it is. I mean, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. If something happens to that system in February, for three days, 
besides like a birth, a divorce, a death, right. it, it's really, in, I don't want to say it's insignificant, obviously, to those individuals, but sure. from right. a systems perspective, it's not timely. But mm-hmm. what we do from IT perspective, when we don't have the insights of how that impacts business, in February, we are still going to scramble the jets, pull all the resources we have, okay. and we're going to go spend a ton of time and money on fixing something that has zero user impact or minimal impact. Right. right? I mean, you know that as a business person, you yeah. know that, right? So, but AI ops tells you what, or how does AI ops aid in this process? That we're just... Right. So, so the big, the big part is the, the, the way I've got that, the AI ops umbrella uh, defined, mm-hmm. it spans, you know, all of your sensory and telemetry data, including all the business and context. So when it's okay. correlating and doing that noise reduction, it's pulling part of that noise reduction is does the business care? If well, the noise reduction is what it's 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 finding the normal. AI ops looks for normal, right? It's it's not just setting thresholds and and sending. Oh, scripts, right, right. It's so much more than that, right? So go ahead. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's setting the normal in the context, in the seasonality, in the sales cycle, in the retail windows. So it knows of- it's Christmas. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Black Friday. Basically, you don't right. want, you don't, yeah, you don't want okay. to know that like, you know, that system is blipping on you on Thanksgiving, you right. know, you, you better really get it, you know. So the, the, the large AI, uh, AOPS platforms, they're taking that into account, not just the server administrators right. report and the network the report. The log data, the, right, exactly. the network flow data and all that. And There's that's so huge. Much more, right. Right. That's huge. And when you add to it, like, hey, this is an, incredibly sensitive time for our business, financials, month end, quarter end, year end, you know, that sort of thing. This is a lot more critical. We can't afford any of that. Okay. So, and you can go in to these tools and and they will take this into account. And so when they're, we'll just take a basic, when they're alerting, right, which is, you know, a horrible thing that they do, but they do a lot of it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, the tool kind of knows to prioritize certain systems, certain processes, certain workflows at certain times of the year. In this instance that we're using Christmas, well, as opposed to February, where, you know, maybe a down shopping cart doesn't quite rise to the priority that it would in December. Is that right? Going on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, so, it's, so it's, it makes them a lot smarter than just, because that was one of my questions. It's like, how is this different than existing automation, right? Yeah. And existing tool sets that that just right. give alert fatigue all day, right? Yeah. And 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 when you tie the automation, and that's part of the, the, the definition that, that I put out was the automation helps with that once it identifies that this and i'll, I'll deliberately use a, a vague term this thing not an event yeah, not an sure. alert because that, that carries event. Some, it's the same word right with different right yeah, yeah. so you know the the three million alerts coming out of that one server really is maybe two events mm-hmm. right so that really reduce right. that then it adds on to on top of that the context of hey we're heading towards christmas do you know what that means the automation in there can then not even take it all the way to remediation, but it can automate the escalation of it. Because you have to look hmm. at the context and say, hey, okay. this is bad time. Let's escalate it. Or it's not bad time. And like maybe that sits a little bit lower on the priority list. And then it routes it to like, hey, it's going to go to Allen, but this is a weekend and we have around the clock, you know, around the sun. I'm going to mm-hmm. automate the routing. And yes, some of these pieces exist in normal workflow routing. But when you pull it all together, that's when you need some of that intelligence. To, to say, okay, in the full string of events, what do I need to do? 
I can automate this all the way to it. And when I finally present it to Sally in APAC, not mm -hmm. Alan mm -hmm. in North America, uh, Sally's not as familiar with this system. So I'm going to present her with, here's what's happened in the past. Here's what we've done in the past. Here's what's been successful in the past. Here's what we suggest mm -hmm. you execute the from books. the playbook, the run books and everything. Yeah. That will, if nothing else, it will bring her to 98% ready to go. And yep, we need to reboot this or we need to run these scripts or whatever. Not like, I've never seen this before. Well, I wish Alan was here. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, and, and it's one of the things I think I learned, and again, you know, uh, not being an expert in any of this, but is that, um, so with IT automation, uh, you know, you may be manually setting your thresholds and, yep. and it does what it's told, yep. right? And only what it's told. Yep. And it's just a bunch of if then, right? Set up. Yep. But with AI, you it has the ability to learn from its own data set, or, or it yeah. has the ability of unsupervised learning. It it will learn what's normal on the network, yeah. right? And, and that's a that's also a big difference between just simple a automation. Absolutely, right? okay. Yeah, and so that's that's that one effort. of the things. Yeah, that's the one thing that one of the things that I push on uh, a lot of the vendors about. Yeah, we know the static thresholds. That's all well and good, right? But let's be honest. Most if it, if life was that easy, you know, we wouldn't have most of the outages that we have. Yeah. So what we want to do is say, can you handle the, the dynamic thresholds? Because things do sway left and right mm -hmm. and up and down yeah. just as a natural course of events. Yeah. So <clears throat> what, what you maybe set now is not a set a particular threshold, but hey, as it's approaching 80% of our normal thresholds that aren't on a natural grade up or down that we've seen before, I want you to give me an early warning on something's not off the rails because mm -hmm. I don't know what that threshold is, but I know that if we have, say, for example, again, something that we wouldn't set normally, you know, or deliberately, if we are seeing a rise in customer activity and we are seeing a rise in this and we're seeing a rise in that, that makes sense. So scale up, add another container, do what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we see a rise in customer activity between website uh, re um, uh, response time slow to you know, yeah. 300 milliseconds. So, and so we're going to scale, we're going to load balance and kick exactly. back. Yeah, okay. But if you see something that's odd where you see the rise in customer activity, but you're not seeing these other two, three things that you normally see. So this is really more anomalous behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just scale up. Because that might be actually worse, and it might be more security related, or it might be just I was thinking something DDoS, else, right? Denial of service yeah. attack, right? Yes. Yeah. So maybe in that case, you automate the escalation to your sock, not to your knock as an outage. Yeah. But maybe you automate yep. it elsewhere. Again, and there's there are so many different scenarios that we would never, as humans, be able to come up with. That what we want to say is when it's anomalous in context. You know, Sally is doing something from a different location at a different time, but her credentials are authorized to do that. Mm -hmm. It's like, wait, hold it. That's maybe not a good thing. And then you find out like, hey, Sally's on vacation. She needed to access something. That's okay. But if it wasn't and you let it run, mm -hmm. now what happens? Right. You, know, you find out too late. So there's, there's all those things, like you said, where the dynamics of it, that we could never predict all those dynamic settings. So you set more guardrails rather than specific thresholds for if you see things that are kind of going out of the ordinary and it is the critical time for our systems and it is our critical systems, definitely bring it to my attention sooner rather than waiting for it to collapse and then throw an alert. That's not, that's not going to help me.
Well, let's talk about, um, there's four types of AI ops that you identified here. Yep. Uh, do you want to dive into those a little bit? Um, sure. High level. So we'll start like on tech centric, process centric, operation centric, and then AI ops light. So let's right. start with tech centric. So, yeah. So basically how it came about was um, in, in some of the early research, I found that organizations were approaching AI ops in different perspectives. They all ultimately still wanted the same end result. Mm-hmm. What's my business insights? When I do something on the technology side, what does it ultimately impact? How should I prioritize it? Should I make more investments on this versus that? All based on who cares on the business side. If they don't care and I can't make a business case for it, then why am I doing it? Right. So, yeah, exactly. so their approach to it is coming from different, different directions, whether it's the service delivery managers, whether it's the VP of infrastructure, you know, so on and so forth. So they're all coming at it from different perspectives and they have different drivers. So your technology-centric folks, your VP of infrastructure, maybe your engineering directors and stuff, they're looking at it for, we need to improve our operational capabilities around the engineering architecture infrastructure. We Part of that is simplifying our world. So let's get rid of the 17 monitoring tools and maybe bring it down to four. Um, when we route things around, well, I need to have it automatically go to Alan versus Sally, who's on the West Coast versus the East Coast. And again, all of these pieces exist in their own right, mm-hmm. but are they stitched together well? So, so the technology-centric approach wants to ultimately provide better insights as to what's going on in our technology and how it could relate to the business side and simplify our environment, our work procedures, all that stuff to do that. The process centric is coming from the opposite direction and saying, hey, we already are working closer to the business folks. We already organize and prioritize our activities around tickets and whatnot based on what we understand about the criticality of business. Um, as far as the bottom end stuff, yeah, we need all that monitoring data, but you know what? That's not my domain. That's not where my checkbook kind of writes tickets. So yeah, it would be great if they simplified that environment, but frankly, I just want that data to get to me so I can make my business decisions and my, my workload decisions based on business from there. But that's someone else's domain to kind of really worry about. So not going to worry too much about that. Plus, I don't have the technology expertise in my space on the service delivery side on the top tier one, tier two piece. The engineers, yeah, they love that stuff, but I don't, that's not who my resources are. They can't really process that data heavy stuff there. It's a little bit more abstracted and in the light of what the business is or what the technology services are, but definitely more towards that services side. So that's that process one. Uh, and we have vendors coming at it from both of those perspectives. You know, your ITOM, ITSM vendors saying, hey, we do AI ops as well. And, you know, so, so they're there. They're, and I couldn't, I couldn't, there was no way I was going to be able to do the comparisons of those two platform vendors mm-hmm. and do it justice. I'd either have to water it down or it ended up falling you know, on one or the other. That's the north-south side. The east-west East-West, easy to say. Um, So the operationally aligned is a slightly different scenario where big organizations, big financial services, global organizations, they're like, hey, we've already got, you know, 50 million invested in Acme software portfolio. So frankly, we've got all the pieces. I'm not going to go buy another platform. So Alan, 
you're charged with going through Acme Software's portfolio, stringing it all together, because we already have seven of them and we only need two more, stringing it all together and give me a AIOP solution. That's your charge, Alan. And yeah, it'll all mostly come from you know Acme Software, but Acme Software doesn't have a you know double-click EXE, here's our AIOP solution. Mm-hmm. It's not one common user right. interface. We're not looking at doing reorgs because Joe's got his engineering team and uh, Rajit has got their yeah, architecture team. You got you know, all this yeah. technical data associated with it, right? So exactly. you can rip and replace. It's you know you're just... exactly. So that's the operationally aligned approach where, like, hey, we've got these things; they're all working. We're going to task someone with stitching it together internally. Okay. Okay. The light side is similar to that, but. Hey, we don't have those kind of budgets. We don't have, you know, 50 million already in, right. in Acme software. We're a fairly heavy technology-centric organization. So we have data scientists, we have a lot of engineers. We can build that glue that takes together the four tools that we have, add some of our own custom stuff. But I, you know, I, you know, Alan, I need that special engine that you have, that AI engine. And we'll leverage that because we have data scientists. So okay. we're going to piece that together where we're going to go get a, um, a you know, we're, we're maybe a service provider, you know, small targeted service provider. We have some very specialty network issues. So we have to use this specialty network monitoring and administrative tools and stuff, satellite, that sort of stuff. Okay. So you know what? Yeah, all that other stuff is great. But you know what? Our core focus is this. And our AI ops initiative is really only going to be targeting this aspect of our organization, or that's all our organization is. And therefore, yeah, we just need four pieces to plug it all together. We have all the data. We need an AI engine, or we need this specific mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So that's where light is. That's the only way I could come up with a, def- a term for that. That wasn't like piecemeal. You know, that doesn't sound okay. as good. You're a specialty provider of a specialty service to us, a, yeah. a niche market. And you're going to have, you know, you're going to be engineered and architected to deliver those products and only those products versus, a, you know, a, a retailer or a grocer yeah. who just services everybody with everything. And you got to have every layer of, right, you know, customer service exactly. and inventory management and supply chain, all those, you know, the giant ERP systems. Exactly. Okay. Yep. All right. yep. Interesting. Okay. How many people are doing this? Is one of my questions. I was kind of curious about it. Everybody is saying, well, everybody wants to do it. Let's start there. Okay. Uh, so this is sense. a thing. I mean, this is definitely a it thing. It is a thing. Okay. It is a thing. It's not going away. You know, how it manifests itself, how it really you know ends up settling in, uh, you know, time will tell. I do envision uh, you know, sort of these different perspectives to converge. You know, you would you would expect because obviously, especially the bigger vendors, they're not going to allow one of the other ones coming from another angle mm-hmm. <laughs> to take their right. space. You know, right. so I do envision that, and, and I look forward to that from the client perspective to not have to make that decision because right now, you know, depending on how they approach, it's like okay, really, I have to look at a subset of the vendors, but that one's better, and so I think it's confusing, but hopefully that kind of converges and settles in a little bit. But yeah. uh, yes, it's it's a real thing. It's, you know, about as hot as it gets. Um, still a lot of confusion around it. You know, we, we kind of touched on earlier, you know, and when I picked this up about a year, a little over a year ago for my coverage area, uh, there was there was no real comprehensive definition out there. You know, the term had been thrown out there, had been out there for three, four years. Uh, there wasn't much research on it. There wasn't 
anyone that had kind of really laid out, you know, here's the, all the moving parts. So mm-hmm. that was kind of my first right. task last okay. year was, Hey, at minimum, can we just start with, here's the 18 moving parts inside of AI. So this is the purpose of your report then. Yeah, absolutely. We can't have a, a uh, an informed discussion if we aren't sure we're starting at the same, you know, the same okay. point. Right. Uh, I put a lot of stuff in there that, you know, some of the vendors had issue with and, you know, clients are asking about, you know, we spoke earlier in the conversation about the contextual and experiential. I mean, mm-hmm. that is ultimately so important to why do you want to make that decision to increase your footprint technologically? Why do you want to scramble your tech support for this when it's not important? You know, all those what ifs and whys, that's the the layer of intelligence and the, the, the value layer that sits on top of what we've been you know, working through technology for, you know, for decades is, hey, we can keep servers up, we can keep networks up, we mm-hmm. can keep databases up. At the end of the year, we, re- re- we reward all three of those teams, they all made bonus, right, because they all hit their, you know, their five nines, and the business owner is livid, because right. their systems were all down at different times, of course, right. and when it went to get resolved, they point to fingers for the first three hours, and, and, and we're going to reward them, because they hit their five nines, like, you know, and we do this, you know, so, so that's why we have to get out of that space and say, I don't care whose fault it is. The issue is our business is not producing. They're not selling. That's bad for everyone because business can't run without it and it doesn't have a job. If business is failing, right? So. But AI ops is not going to be a panacea because they don't exist. Oh God, no! Right? No, God, no! But this is the next step beyond IT automation. Is that? Yeah. And, and that could help solve some of those issues more readily. So this goes back yeah. to the meantime to repair discussion yep. at the top, right? Where okay, yep. so in this what we're talking about here, that is indeed uh, the end goal of a lot of AI ops is yep. going to be to shorten mean time to repair. So the businesses are up and running faster, business continuity, yep. disaster recovery. Yep. And, and, maybe and not, maybe no, let's lean back away from that. BC and DR are, are different, right? You know, well, I was just going to go This isn't there, a tornado because... hitting a data center. This is just no, an app right. going down at an inconvenient mm-hmm. time. Right. But where, and, and if you talk with, uh, with Brent about this, right, it's really about resilience. So the meantime to repair, it's great to reduce it, but wouldn't it be great to prevent it? Oh, even so better. if I yeah. see this pattern yeah. that we know that this always goes out when these mm-hmm. things are happening, and ultimately that's where it's going to land. We're like, hey, why don't we trigger that? We talked about dynamic thresholds. Why don't why doesn't that trigger? Like, I've seen this happen before. I see the pattern of events coming. Let me get to Alan now and say, Alan, you got about 30 minutes. <laughs> to go and do mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z, because here's what's going to happen. And I say that only because I've seen it happen 75 times out of 75 times right, when this pattern right, has occurred. Right. And generally it's 30 minutes, but it's been getting shorter. So you might want to move on this even quicker. Okay. Um, but that's around the resiliency. Sure. Tornado, it is what it is. There's no heads yeah. up. There's on no that. finger pointing there. It's just the way. Right. Right. But, the, but the normal recovery backup stuff, we really want to be more in a resilience view and model than let's wait for it to collapse because at that point we've already lost. Now we're just mitigating loss. What is it expensive? It sounds to me like it could be very expensive. Yeah, it's it and that is key because there is a, a holistic aspect to this, right? You know, if you if you want to just keep operating in very discrete silos, we know where those budgets are. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's carved up here, there, and everywhere. Um, and what we're saying is, in order to do this, you really need to kind of come together. And and it can work. And I've seen it work in a couple of different ways. If everyone's there at the table first, then great. Uh, and you know, from a process centric perspective, it's going to be a little bit more important to to have that. Um, Everybody's kind of, yes, this is what we're trying to improve and we're going to target these business systems and that sort of thing, these business services and all that good stuff. On the technology-centric approach more, because it's a little bit driven a little bit more by sort of a self, um, uh, self-serving self benefit, I know I need to reduce from 17 monitor tools down to 12. Right. I know that'll give me a half a million back on that. So guess what? I can offset my costs. I know if I improve... If I improve uh, those simple tasks, those one, two step tasks of rebooting a server or, you know, the flipping, you know, the router is, you know, it's flapping or this sort of thing, I can probably reduce my resources, headcount uh, costs by 15, 20%. So I control that whole checkbook. So I don't need as much. And this is why the other reason why I wanted to break out the report this way to say, what is your driver? If my driver is reorging, cleaning up our infrastructure efforts, engineering, architecture, and whatnot, you can self-fund most of that and develop your ROI and return on value from there as well without the blessing of business as much as if you're coming from the service delivery side, you're not going to have those big budgets to put something in place like that. You're going to have to, you're going to require the engineering folks to be involved, your business folks to be involved to you know kind of pull that together yeah there's some case of interesting case studies that have come out i mean a major major msp is saving a ton of money like in the millions tens of millions of dollars range because and you know what they've done they've just targeted those five ten use cases we know that this happens all the time we know that's the execution we know this happens all the time that's the execution and we're talking hundreds of thousands of tickets that they fully automated Mm-hmm. And because of their volume, obviously, yeah, versus, you know, sure. you know, and it, I mean, we're talking tens of millions of dollars, right. you know, per, per client of theirs, obviously it's mm-hmm. probably just a, a couple of million, but I'll take it. Sure. You know, that'll well, yeah. pay for mean, that platform. Yeah. And that definitely pays for, well, I don't yeah. want to make assumptions, but you said it wasn't yeah. millions. So what's wrong with that? I, I know you don't want to, you can't put a, just a hard dollar cost. It's not like buying yeah. a car. So if people want to dig into this topic more, A, they mm-hmm. should get your report. That's number one, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think trying to get into what, my question was, what do IT and the business need to do to get their AI, AI ops going in their organizations? I think that's a pretty long list of, of things that you really got to, right? I don't think that's a short list. Question. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I mean, I guess the first thing they have to accept, they have to accept the fact that they don't know what's going on everything that's going on in their house right now, right. you know, the old, you know, the old story of, you know, get your house in order. Right. right. Uh, you know, you know, I guess we could also tie in the, you know, who moved my cheese, you know, into that whole book thing. Right. You know, I don't know that one, but sure. You know, yeah, that was a book like way back. They, they were handing it out to all to managers and stuff. You oh, know, okay. basically okay. as things were changing, okay. you know, it's like who moved my cheese. Okay. Um, so so the first thing that they have to do is just accept the fact that they don't truly know what's going on in their house right. Right. and and just gain even the raw insights into what it is, what it isn't, where the potential problem areas are. And then, then you can tackle it with 
our normal practices. Okay, let's drill onto this one. Let's drill into that. Right now, most are just kind of flying blind to some extent because, you know, like we said, I mean, you know, this, if you're not really looking at your cloud costs and your, uh, you know, your transactions and your ingest and you're not looking at it in, de- in depth, you really don't know where that money is going. You know, it's going to mm-hmm. Azure, you know, it's going to AWS. Right. But sure. when you do, if you do, if you're doing internal charge, um, chargebacks, right? Cost chargebacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you still blending all those? Because you really can't break it down. Well, there's, there's some insights that this can provide you and mm-hmm. say, oh, wow, you know, again, like I was saying, the, these systems that are not highly critical to us are costing us almost as much as the others. Maybe we can change the, you know, the prioritization on the cloud and the ingest and, you know, whatever. But again, we need to get that, you know, there. So, so what's, what do they start with is really just getting their arms around what's truly going on in our environment. And that in the in the part of AI ops that does that, it must be a discovery, right? And then you know yeah. it has a discovery function, obviously. Yes. And then, uh, but then, it, but it, this is over a period of time. It isn't just yeah. points in time like a CMB no. would be or IT asset no. management, right? And so this is over a period of time. So you get to kind of get a network. Um, I'm thinking about these flow charts that have the different yeah. weighted arrows to see where things are actually. Things are going exactly. right. Where's the where's yeah. the IP traffic going, and where right yep. and that type of thing, right? And yep. then that yep. gives you a, a that gives you what? It gives you the, this this ten thousand foot view of your organization from an IT perspective, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It's like our IT is, is spending, you know, thirty seven percent with Azure. It's like okay, now let's look at it within Azure. You know, seventy three percent is for these microservices, and twenty mm-hmm. percent is for that, and it's like okay, seventy three percent. That sounds awfully high. Now let's and these are in these tools. They are like sort of you know they are point and click drill down. Like you can in seconds you can literally click through that to see where's my breakdown. Okay, you know because it's tracking at those transactional levels. Right. And what you would have needed beforehand was the engineers. You know, hey Bob, Bob the engineer. Can you run me a report on all the transactions that are coming on? You got a spreadsheet with all this on there I could look at for 16 years and and not get mixed heads or tails of it, right? Exactly. And and could you correlate it? It's like, I don't know what those transactions are. Right. But the AI ops tool actually strings. So transaction, the transaction monitoring, right? Distributed transaction monitoring actually links from that website cart. Mm -hmm. This transaction came through here, through here, through here, over there, over there, over here, over there, so on and so forth. So you can basically then filter out. I just want what's associated with this transaction, and no, and, and it removes all the noise, all the other noise. And now you can say, why was it going through that hop? Why did wait? That's that doesn't make sense. No wonder it's costing us more because that's you know, that's going through a Splunk log management thing where we don't need that detail in Splunk log. No wonder our Splunk costs are you know twenty percent higher this week. You know, so it, yes, those tools will string that whole transaction together from a user clicking all the way down to the mainframe transaction on the back end. Right. And again, good luck doing that on a spreadsheet. Right. Hmm. Okay. You know, but it, yeah, it does that. And for the most part, they all do that to mixed extents of quality, but they all do it and just highlight it. And, you know, those, um, those graphs, I can't remember, I can't remember the names, the ones that they show kind of like interwoven thing. And as soon as you highlight one, the oh, others kind of fade out. 
Uh, and it'll show that. you the, yeah it'll show the yeah sort of the pathway through yeah that. i don't know what it's called either but i can i can visualize it pretty easily yeah which is great because you're like oh that's what it is and if you know where you want to start you can say okay just filter everything on this yeah and got so like i one of the demos that i did for um or the guy challenges that i did for the last wave i asked him explicitly that i says you need to demonstrate for me the tech people believe they're having a problem with android devices and we've experienced this. So I need you to filter out Android uh, users using Android device that are going through the Texas data center that are hitting this and so on and so forth. And that chain of events. So now you can narrow down, like, I don't care if it's going through Singapore, I don't care about this. And I can truly see where my bottleneck was or where my problem may have, may have occurred. And that's, again, in context, the, again, this in is context. in context, yeah. back to the top yeah. of the discussion, right? Yeah. And, and the follow on to that was session replay. So I said, okay, now that let's look at what the user was doing at that point. And they are literally capturing like the clicks and mouse movements there. So you can see that they were just getting really annoyed because something was delayed. And then they would, you know, build the uh, click rage which then sent 75 more, you know, actions, which you already bottlenecked, right? And that created, and that's how you spiral out of control. And then we say, okay, what's the remediation? As soon as we see that pattern, spin up another container or spin up another this, it alleviates container and everything clears. And And that's what I had to do. Predictive mode, right? Exactly. Yep. And that's what I had him do is walk through, like when you detect that one transaction is causing negative impact on the other two, move one of them or spin up, do something, do something right. so that the other two aren't getting crushed because of the one bad actor. And then when it's done, bring it back. And this happens again, this happens maybe in three seconds right? or 15 seconds or two milliseconds, you know, and that happens that quickly. Plus now you're not paying for the over architecture that we used to do, which was let's just throw yeah. three more servers at it. Right. It's, it's a cloud. So spin it up, spin it down, it costs you five cents, no big deal. And the user is not impacted. Ultimately, it goes back to the user is no longer impacted. They don't end up going to Wayfair instead of Amazon because they got really ticked off with the rage clicking. You know, so subtle nuances and stuff, but there's so many different scenarios like that, that when you have all the data there and these engines can process it at scale, right? you can provide these insights. Right. And then if you want, I'm assuming, turn the AI loose to start making some decisions along this, right? Absolutely. Uh, To the level of trust that you're comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about it. It's not, most engineers are not going to have a hard time where if you see this scenario, spin up a new container. Yeah, load balance it. It's Load balance it essentially on the fly and bring it back. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We can do that. yeah, yeah. A million times a day. Who cares? Right. No risk. But with the AI, yeah. it, it's 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 adding another layer of, uh, yeah, I guess I'll call it intelligence, right? Yeah. To that process because it's not just based on fixed thresholds, for example. No. Right? Oh yeah, that's not that's just like I see something I don't like and it's out of the ordinary. It's an anomalous behavior. Let me do this. It, look, it would be as if you had enough people to watch every data point and every connection. There you go. And you're like, like, oh, oh let's move this over. It's ready. Let's move it back. Okay. That's all it's really doing, you know. And that's where I joke about is that really artificial intelligence? Is it, you know, the detection is where it gets gray, right? Like you said, yeah. Yeah. it's seeing something that it hasn't seen before. 
you didn't have to specify when you see this, when you see this. All you specify is when you see something you haven't seen, then do these actions. And that action might be simply alert somebody. If you're truly not, or if you're in a secure environment, you may not want to, whatever it is, you know. Sure. Um, But but it's you can you can detect on the opposite rather than the specific. Interesting. Okay. So I think that why don't we just leave it there? I guess kind of coming up on the hour. So uh, thank you, uh, Carlos. I appreciate your time. Thank you. If you like this episode, please tell your friends and check out our other shows. You can find Inside DT on all the major hosting platforms, including Apple, Amazon, Spotify, and Google. Talk to you soon.